Welcome to the MS Dev Show, episode number 233. This week, we talk with Mark Fussell about Dapper, a cool new way to build scalable applications, and a way to push to production that won't get through airport security. Raygun gives you complete visibility on errors, crashes, and performance problems affecting your end users. Replicate issues in seconds rather than digging through log files or having to rely on users to report errors or crashes. Raygun gives you a window into how users are really experiencing your software applications. Check it out today at raygun.com. This week, we have Mark Fussell, Principal Program Manager that works in Azure Core Compute, focusing on distributed programming models. How's it going, Mark? It's going well. It's fantastic to be here again. Yes, yes. Uh, Multiple-time visitor. We need uh, we need to get you uh, some special, special swag then, because we, we save the really, really good stuff for our for the people that have come on here and <laughs> multiple times. So you'll, you'll be getting some good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. And Carl, stickers. Yeah, if you as a listener, want some stickers, send an email to feedback at msdevshow.com with stickers in the subject line and your name and address in the body, and I'll send some out. I've got a stack right here that's going to go out this weekend. Okay. Thank you, Sticker Man. And then for the comments of the week, um, what do we have? Yeah, Sean Claybo mm-hmm. uh, reached out on our website, said, hey, guys, always love listening to your news items and other information in your shows. Uh, can I bring another .NET podcast to your attention? It's called The Adventures in .NET. So if you go to our comment uh, section, uh, you can get the link there, uh, adventuresin.net. Love to get together and maybe trade stickers if you're going to be at a, be at Ignite in a couple of weeks. We unfortunately cannot because we have internal training happening at the same time. But the best place to reach us is at Build. Jason and I go to Build. So mm-hmm. if you're lucky enough to go there, you definitely can get swag from both of us. Yep. And if you're ever on campus, Sean, just let us know and, uh, you know. Maybe, maybe Carl and or I will be there at the same time. And if that works out, otherwise we can always leave stickers somewhere too. Um, and, and we can figure out a way to, uh, to trade stickers. That's not a problem. Uh, cool. Anything else on that, Carl? No. If you want to get mentioned on the show, like Sean, send us an email to feedback at msdevshow.com. Comment on our website or on Twitter. We especially love those five stars iTunes reviews. Yep. So the only news story we're going to cover, actually, because we want to get to Mark because he has some cool stuff to talk about, is uh, basically a tweet that I saw before the episode here. Um, I don't know if you guys got a chance to look at this, but it is uh, everybody who's listening should uh, should check this out. Um, you really have to look at the video and we'll have it in our show notes. But basically, it's a briefcase and uh, you open it up and it's got just really cool like visual animations. And um, what it is, is it is a button for do it for kicking off your um, your Azure pipeline uh, deployment. <laughs> so basically it's like a deployment briefcase. So presumably you would, um, uh, you know, use handcuffs and handcuff this to you and then walk around and look super cool. Um, I am amazed that, uh, you know, like the first comment was from Jeff Wilcox and he said, best of luck with your TSA freedom search. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that is totally true. This thing totally looks like a bomb and a detonator. So, and he, he said he hasn't had too much problem going through the airport, but, uh, that's really unbelievable. Cause this thing, this thing looks pretty wild. At the same time, it also looks like it would be a very fun way to do all of your releases. Oh my God. It would just be so satisfying. You just, 
So, um, yeah. And then hopefully there's like a debounce or something too. He probably goes over that, but this is all part of a, uh, a cool place. If you look, that's why there's those military style safety switches. Yeah. You have to flick the thing up. You have to arm it. And yeah. then you yeah. press <laughs> I was about to say, does he have the military coach? Well, there is like an LCD screen and like multiple buttons there. So maybe there's like a color combo. Yeah. I don't know. It's cool. It's cool. So, um, cause you see, he flips the switch and then it goes from green to red. And then you can hit the red button and it turns white and it gets all the spinners. Oh, I see it there. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. I missed that part. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. I guess there's nothing from keeping you from pushing it multiple times though. Right. It doesn't automatically stand down, but that's pretty easy to program in. But how do you deploy your code to the button? Anyway, it's briefcases all the way down. Uh, there you go, USB. Yeah, there's a USB slot somewhere. <laughs> yeah, there's a USB slot. Yeah, just plug that in. Uh, okay, so today we're talking about Dapper, um, which um, I was looking at, uh, you know, earlier this morning. I, um, I, I've i looked at it a, a couple times since you emailed us a while back. And uh, it took, honestly, it took me a little bit to wrap my head around. And I was just waiting because I'm like, this light bulb is going to go on above my head. And, uh, and eventually it did. So I get it now, <laughs> but, um, but I definitely, I want to make sure that we break this down, this thing down properly so that people understand what it is and they know what they can use it for. So I guess we'll just start with the obvious question, which is what is Dapper? Yeah. So let, yeah, that's a great question. So where you want to start from is like, what are developers trying to do today? And, you know, what's happened in the world over the last five, 10 years is that we've moved from this world of building your sort of traditional classic back-end web database, um, you know, middle-tier components in front, and that's a perfectly fantastic design. But for those developers who start to now build services and starting to build things as distributed apps where you run on multiple machines and you have to deal with failures, you know, you need to have a, a, a programming model that helps you do all of this stuff. Um, and so this is where it comes into now of, like, what, what's, how do I get help to build these distributed apps Whereas before, you know, I'm not a distributed apps guy. I don't want to have all the expertise in that. I just want to build my business logic. I just want to take advantage of some building blocks to help me build my distributed applications, take care with all the hairy, hard problems that need, that needs, like how do I call from one service to another? How do I do state management, things like this, and consume that into an easy way. So that's kind of the problem space. Um, and so what we described Dapper as is it's an open source project. We released it a couple of weeks ago. It's gained some great excitement in the community. Uh, you should go and visit our GitHub repo at uh, github slash dapper. That's D-A-P-R, D-A-P-R. Um, and dapper, by the way, stands for distributed application runtime. Mm. So we really started the name as like it's distributed application runtime. Um, it's designed as a set of these building blocks. But it's an open source portable uh, and event-driven runtime that makes it easy for developers to build these resilient microservices, stateful and stateful applications that run on the cloud on edge. Um, and that's the goal. So it makes you a superpower developer, really, in many ways, uh, because you no longer have to deal with some of the hard problems. Instead, you can plug into and use this. And the beauty is not that it's been done, hasn't been done before, but the beauty is that you can do this from any language on any framework, because we've sort of come across and created these sort of standard APIs about how you call on to these building blocks in order to say, for example, save the state of your application or do a pub sub between them. So does that make sense? Absolutely. And I, I was looking at the sample and the sample's written in uh, JavaScript and, um, or, you know, at least one of the, sa- whatever the, the, like the getting started was. And, and what I found interesting about it, when I first looked at it, I was like, what the hell is even going on? Because 
it didn't look like I didn't see dapper, you know, like I was, I was sort of expecting like this, this service fabric type thing where there's like all this installation, all the ceremony. And then I have to deal with like this service fabric thing, but I'm just like this. I was talking, I was actually talking to Carl and I'm like, this is exactly like how I would write my node code or something like an express. Um, but that's when I realized that there was, you basically externalized a lot of the management of it. And that was the whole point is that I can write this, you know, essentially a handler that says, you know, Hey, this request has come in and I want to persist something to storage and I want to do some business logic or whatever. And you're handling outside of that, you're handling things for me so that, you know, I don't have to, you know, worry about scaling or, or things like that. Yeah. Well, I, you nailed it. So effectively what happens is that Dapper gets launched as a sidecar mm-hmm. uh, process or container to your application. And then, you know, the beauty is, is that you're there writing code with whatever you want to do. You're writing it in your node or your Python or your Java. And now you just do a local host call. So you do local host slash and you say, here's the name of the key value pairs that I want you to store. And I want you to go off and save all this state for me and make sure that it's transacted and saved consistently and deal with all the hard problems of that. But I just had to call onto a local interface because this uh, Dapper was launched as a sidecar running next to your application, which is kind of pretty cool, actually. Um, and that model is becoming you know, very um, powerful because now as a developer, I can go up to any language um, and just say, well, I can do these local calls to achieve stuff. Um, like saving state or calling onto another method uh, onto another service. And so what we did is we kind of came up with these six, what we thought were essential building blocks to start off with. Um, So let me kind of run through an example. It's a very common thing of when you deploy an application is that you want to talk from one application, from one service to another. So you deploy an application, it may have your shopping cart application, and it talks to the inventory service. And so your shopping cart wants to talk to your inventory service and figure out, you know, do you have any of this inventory left? Um, you know, this is in a typical sort of microservices architecture where you've broken things down. So now you can just do a URL format where you can say name of the application inventory slash name of the method called get inventory. And then here's some parameters and you can call that. And Dapper will take care of routing that request to that particular service, calling on it, doing the resilient um, retries if it fails. If the if the service isn't there, it'll do retries. If it, if it's uh, failed and, re- and starts on another machine, it'll do the recovery inside there, and it'll sort of guarantee that that call happens. Um, and so now you didn't have to figure out how, where this was running or how to call it. You just had to do the simple URL call to call, say, from your shopping cart service to your inventory management service. Does that make sense? Yeah, that that's super cool. You know, I was I was doing working on a project and uh i was like oh let's just use azure functions for all of this and and there was a guy that was a lot smarter than me um and he was talking about you know there's there's all this other stuff that goes into building you know a, a service that you actually want to put into production and actually like you mentioned like the retries you know without having to like put a queue between there um you know if you're doing functions there you have to be you know, there's just stuff that, that, that they just like say, well, you got to worry about this. So I, I yes. like this because I'm just writing the thing and then you're managing all the stuff that I don't want to uh, worry about. Well, I'm glad you brought up functions because you brought up a, a brilliant mm-hmm. example of an, another problem that um, Dapper tackles. And that is what we've also experienced is that in you're in, you're in these little silos of your world, like you're in your functions or you're in your um, ASP.NET world, and, and you can take advantage of all the wonderful functionality there, 
But, you know, you have to wait on features to come along to choose to do things. So, for example, today I can't subscribe and send a pub sub message between two functions without doing more work myself. I have to set up a Kafka queue or I have to set up a Azure queue, post it onto that queue and get a message out the other side. And all of that takes work. What you can do with Dapper and Azure Functions is that you can install Dapper running on those set of machines. I can do and I can have both those functions register to Dapper in order to receive and publish events between them all. This is another of the building blocks it has. It has a publish and subscribe building block. Mm -hmm. And now I've brought new capabilities to functions where I can do pub sub between my two functions where I didn't have that before. That is super cool. Um, and so we think this is very powerful because what happens is it comes from where developers are today, uh, not where you have to wait on some particular runtime. And let me give you another example. Um, ASP.NET developers, wonderful developers. You know, they build ASP.NET web applications built on top of con you know, controllers. But we worked very closely with the ASP.NET core team. And they said, well, we would love to be able to have these sort of stateful running controllers where I have an ASP.NET controller. And if you look at a controller today, you know, when it restarts or fails over, it loads up all of its state again and it's, you know, it's stateless. It, it's lost everything. We integrated that. And this is one of the samples that you'll see inside there if you go into the uh, dapper.net SDK to make ASP.NET controllers stateful. So now if it fails and recovers, the state that was inside it all, say, that, say it was an ASP.NET controller, that was your shopping cart. You can keep all your shopping cart information inside there. It fails, restarts, and you keep all of that data again in a very natural way of just calling on to a Dapper endpoint as locally saying, store these key value pairs for me. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. So we think that this approach whereby you know, you come at it from integration with the, the frameworks you have, you bring your existing code, you you remain a Python developer, you don't have to suddenly kind of become uh, or consume a whole other new framework. I mean, th this was part of the problem with Service Fabric was that in order to take advantage of the actor model I wanted to use inside that, I had to consume all of Service Fabric. Um, now, one of the other capabilities that we built into Dapper was um, actors, and just like the service fabric actors that were there so that you can now run these actors um, on uh, actually from any platform that you want to run these on. So I can run this on my Kubernetes cluster, or I can run this on my uh, local machine um, and run it in many other different environments rather than having to consume all the service fabric, for example. Mm -hmm. So what is, is there any other relationships that Dapper has with service fabric? That's it. Actually, that's a good question. Um, in many ways, what happens is that Service Fabric, um, Service Fabric is this great, wonderful integrated stack, um, and I tend to divide that stack into three areas. Um, there's this hosting and activation layer. All it does about builds the cluster, does the placement of the services, does the failover and the recovery. Then there's another layer that describes how your application is deployed and built, and that's really goes down this microservices approach where you have an application and it consists of these individual services. You like my shopping cart service and my inventory service and my uh, my analysis service, if, if what looking is, and you deploy that all together. And then there was the actual code that you wrote at the top. Um, you know, the actual, in the case of Service Fabric, it was C-sharp or Java code. Um, and there, they had two great programming models, this actor programming model and also one that was built around reliable services. But you had to consume this whole thing. Um, what, what you'll see has happened is that we've looked at that and said, well, wouldn't it be great if we sort of horizontalized and brought all those benefits to other platforms? 
Um, so you'll see that um, service fabric actually has become sort of the general purpose container hosting platform across all of Azure. And that's one thing that's being built out. Um, and then you'll see that also, we also announced this other project at the same time called the Open Application Model. Um, as, and short for, uh, actually, the shortened name is OM. Um, and actually, they actually have the OM symbol as well. Interestingly, oh, that's kind of cool. <laughs> it's kind of cool. So, um, and and that that what's cool about that is it says you know it takes this application model and allows you to build and describe an application not in terms of a lot of infrastructure things like how do I put this network and how do I hook up to this um, pod and how do I hook it up to this service and all these other things. It allows you to describe an application that will be deployed onto service fabric or onto Kubernetes or onto any other environment for that matter. In fact, um, the Alibaba picked up the open application model and have implemented that on Alibaba as a service. So you can describe an application and deploy it there. So they were one of the great partners that have also implemented that spec. Um, and then the final thing, of course, was the programming models at the top of Service Fabric. We've always had great feedback from developers about the active programming model. Um, it's particularly useful in these IoT scenarios, for example, mm -hmm. where you have this little piece of code that runs. Um, and they said, well, you know, why can't I run this uh, in other environments? Why can't I run this on Kubernetes? Or why can't I run this on IoT Edge? Um, and so that's really what that's about, being inspired by some of that. But plus more, um, other things as well have helped inspire what that programming model is to help build these distributed applications. Yeah, it almost looks like, I mean, each, um, I guess, service. I mean, there, there, is there much difference between a service and an actor, you know, in Dapper? No, I mean, really, well... Remember what what Dapper is is it's a set of building blocks that you can use right. to plug together. So yeah. Your service is the code you write. Just uh, what what one of the interesting things that we wanted to do was that we wanted to bring actors as a. Just to be clear, I mean what actually happens inside Dapper is on top of these APIs. If we actually built language specific frameworks, so if you're a Java developer, there's mm. a great framework for you there, an SDK I should say that you can use to use the functionality. So you don't have to just do these URL calls. You can have a nice Java experience. Is that just for the actor model, or you're saying for for any service? Because because the uh, code that's, that, that's for any of those capabilities there. Oh, yes. okay, okay, yeah. But but we're building the actor capabilities into those SDKs. Okay. Um, to have a great experience there. And the one that we've done to begin with is the .NET one, because we had that already. Mm -hmm. um, but we're actually building out the Java actor experience as well as we speak. Um, and also we're building Node actors as well. So it's just one of those very useful programming models that you can choose to use that's inside the SDKs. Okay. Well, that's pretty slick. Yeah. It's nice to be able to just mix and match that. I think that's, that's the ideal situation. And I do, yes. and I do like to that you can mix and match the the programming languages. Like, you know, I realize a lot of teams will just be like one consistent language just, just to sort of maintain sanity. But I think there is, you know, there's the, each, each language sometimes has uh, things that it's really good at. So Python and machine learning are an obvious choice, right? So being able to have maybe your service that does uh, that does some machine learning work and you write that thing in Python and then you do like your Python bindings and all that stuff. Um, but, yes. but I was also impressed by like the sample that I looked at, it was very non-intrusive. I mean, like it, it, it barely, it ba like, like I mentioned earlier, I mean, it just really barely felt like you were like sort of programming it in anything. Um, it was just, you know, as close to like normal code as you could possibly get, you know, I'm being called, I'm doing my thing and then I'm calling other things. <laughs> Yes. 
Yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah, I mean, you're precisely right there. In fact, it's trying to be non-intrusive mm-hmm. and it's just trying to provide you new superpowers in terms of capabilities that you, you know, before had to spend a lot of time crafting and building yourself. And now they're incorporated in these best practice building blocks that you can take from Dapper. Um, and, and I think another thing that you pointed out was very key is that when you come and build these um, distributed applications consisting of microservices, some people want to use Python and some people want to use Node and some people want to use Go. And now you can bring these all together and have a common set of functionality. So, you know, I can call from my Go app um, onto my Python app if I, if I want to. Um, I can actually even call from uh, you know, the actor in one Python application into an actor into a .NET Core application. So it's pretty cool, actually. It kind of brings together different communities in terms of how they can uh, consistently use a set of um, these APIs in order to bring functionality to the environments and the programming languages they want. Yeah, this is the path to world peace. I mean, we just have to agree <laughs> on tabs or spaces, and uh, I think we got to figure it out. <laughs> There's also one other cool, cool thing I wanted to point out as well, and that is another goal of this project, Dapper, is to try to make sure that you can run this in lots of different environments. So although we focus a lot on the cloud, um, increasingly we're also seeing that people also want to write similar code on-premise. Um, inside their own environment um, and bring it. And particularly, there's this hybrid model appearing a lot more now where some things run in your environment on-premise and some things run inside the cloud, and you want to be able to make um, an application span across those two. Um, and you know the trouble is is that sometimes you go and down onto on-premise and you're now in a completely different world. I have to use a completely mm-hmm. different frameworks or completely different um, ways of build my application. So Google App is also to be able to run on anything from small edge devices. We actually have it running on Sphere, crazily oh, of all wow. things, um, <laughs> up to IoT Edge, up to like standard server-side class devices, up to Azure Stack, and then all the way up to the cloud. Um, so I think that's a pretty cool thing as well, that you know, as we build out these applications, they can run on all these different environments. Right, but so what, it, what actually does like the orchestration then? I mean, is it dap, pure dapper? Um, or, or are you relying on like local Kubernetes plus Dapper as your hosting oh, yeah, environment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're relying on the hosting thing entirely. So Dapper sits at the program model. Okay. So for things that are required for the infrastructure to provide you, like, for example, the activation of it or the service discovery between the services, you know, it, it still def- relies on sort of the platform pieces to do that. Okay. So, it, you know, Kubernetes is still a fundamental platform. It has to run on or service fabric. And, and, you know, at the moment in time, you know, IoT Edge tends to be a single device. So, you know, you're not going to get all the benefits you could have there. But in time, you know, they're looking about how even IoT Edge can be multi-device and mm-hmm. it can crawl across them. Yep. So, yes, it depends upon the platform it runs upon for you know, to achieve those those uh, distributed systems uh, calls and, 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 and failure, you know, restarts and things. Raygun Crash Reporting provides automated monitoring software for your entire tech stack, giving you better visibility and code-level diagnostics into the errors and crashes that affect your end users. Raygun is a more sophisticated alternative to logging errors. While logs provide you with an overwhelming stream of information, Raygun finds then groups errors based on root cause. The easy-to-use dashboard gives your team members a manageable list of bugs to fix in real time, ranked on frequency, or by the number of users affected. Getting started takes minutes. Simply select the language and framework you wish to monitor and add Raygun into your code using one of their lightweight SDKs. So what are you waiting for? 
It's time to control the chaos around solving software bugs in your own application. Deliver better software experiences for your customers with Raygun. Visit raygun.com to find out more. Uh, so that, I think that I think that's that's pretty cool if you look at it that, that direction. You mentioned how it works pretty much universally with what you already want, but uh, one specific question I have is with the popularity of gRPC lately, uh, does that work well with uh, Dapper? Oh yes, yes, that's a good question. So yes, um, the whole goal of Dapper is that you call on to a well-known endpoint, which is either HTTP endpoint or a gRPC endpoint. So yes, we've seen gRPC become a lot more uh, universally accepted now as a way of you know just having a, some performance improvements of how you call between your services. So yes, you can do gRPC calls uh, over the interface to Dapper to use it. So say for example, you want to you know send off your pop sub message, you can do that over gRPC. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, I'm actually um, one of the projects that I'm working on next week is uh, G- a gRPC project. And uh, I like the idea, especially in these microservices world where you have so many uh, calls going around. I, I like the idea of having something like gRPC, which is really focused on small, lightweight, you know, minimal amount of data going across the wire, very minimal, you know, latency and ceremony and all that kind of stuff. So that's exciting yes. for me. I think and then uh, there's one more thing as well I think is exciting about Dapper, and that's um, the fact that it it's provides this in each side in each one of the building blocks that we provide uh it has this concept of a component model so you can plug in anything technology that you want to do for that particular building block so let me give an example here and and this is the thing that we've been super excited about so far so service um dapper provides you with this state management uh, building block that allows you to store your state inside redis or cosmos db and in the last two weeks we've already had the community contribute uh components to be able to plug in console and etcd and memcache is another one that oh, cool. just built. so you can now store your state in any one of these other stores just by building a component that plugs into the state management interface um, that you can call and so people are going crazy on this um, and you know we we've tried to actively um, you know encourage this um, so for example you know there's a pub sub one as well to do how to do pub sub between components We've had a community person introduce and implement the thing called Nats, which is a pub sub um, server that you can plug into. Um, and and so I think that that's pretty exciting as well, where if you want to get engaged, looking at some of these different features, uh, you can come along and plug your own components in. And one of those key building blocks is uh, that we have inside Dapper is this concept of resource bindings, where you can hook up to any external system and get triggered on that. So for example, if a message comes into a Kafka queue, trigger my code. Or if a message gets sent into Event Hubs, trigger my code. Or ah. if I write into this local fire storage, trigger my code. And that's so pluggable that you can hook up these triggers and bindings to these things that now it provides you with this very event-driven scenario of where you can hook up to any external system outside of your application and get triggered and send triggers off to those things as well. Okay. So I think that's quite exciting. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Out. Does that support Event Grid then? Yes. Well, it doesn't support Event Grid yet. Uh, that's one of the ones that's on the on on the roadmap. <laughs> so Event Grid actually plugs into PubSub. So we're going to be publishing an Event Grid component that allows you to call the PubSub a API uh, to be able to do PubSub using Event Grid. 
Uh, we currently have it so that it's built on top of Redis mm-hmm. if you want to do PubSub. Um, and then we have people also building out things for like Service Bus and Kafka and other ones like that. So it's, it's going to be, so I think that that's a great way to think about how, again, not only do you bring a uniformity across all these different developer scenarios, but you bring a uniformity or a, a way to plug into all these external systems for an event-driven architecture of triggering your code and having your code trigger other things. Yeah. So let's say I write my my application spec using Ohm and I write all my code using Dapper. How do I actually deploy that into Azure then? Do I have to? I mean, I think you mentioned it works with like Service Fabric or Kubernetes. Um, like what what is the easiest path there if I'm just a dumb developer that just wants to get that running in Azure? Well, at this point in time, you know, these projects have only just been released. And so we're actually <laughs> working through the roadmap of how these okay. actually look at like in Azure. Um, the interesting thing for Ohm is that they have done an implementation of Ohm on top of Kubernetes, which is called Rudder, R-U-D-R. Right. Um, and that shows how that you can take that Ohm application model and deploy it onto Kubernetes. So right now, you can take that and you can actually deploy it onto any Kubernetes cluster, including Azure Container Service. Okay. Oh, so uh, I could use so you, AKS then. So I could say yes. new K- AKS cluster, which is pretty easy. And then yes. I can just deploy my application to that. That's pretty cool. Oh, totally. Yes. Yeah. Okay. In fact, so you can deploy this Rudder application. Um, uh, uh, implementation of the open application uh, model that allows you to describe your application. And then there's first class integration with Dapper into Kubernetes. So you can, yes, you can just pull it inside Kubernetes. So that's the easiest way right now. Okay. Um, but you know, where you want to go to as well, if you, the thing we're exploring is a sort of first class service um, that, you know, you don't see any of the infrastructure, you just see the open application model and the application you built deployed with Dapper and, of course, the code that you write in your favorite language just get deployed into a first-class service. Yeah, That's yeah. the thing we're exploring. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, just do it all for me. Yes, yeah. And that way, of course, you know, the interesting thing is is that, you know, as developers, you don't want to be infrastructure operators. You know, you want to be yep. a developer. Exactly. You know? I want to describe my needs, but not, <laughs> I don't, I don't yes. want to fulfill my own needs. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. You can't believe the number of support calls we deal with of, like, yeah, my node has gone down in my service fabric cluster. How do I restart it? Or what do I do with it? And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You have to see a node. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and deal with all of this stuff. Yeah. And then you uh, were, you were talking about, we were talking about actors before, and I wanted to ask this. And I, I think you sort of hinted at it. But if I have an existing.NET actor, I think you mentioned that like the model is basically the same. So is it pretty easy for me to migrate my.NET actors over to this model? Oh, yes. Yes. So, I mean, the the Dapper Actor SDK for .NET is pretty much identical to the Service Fabric Reliable Actors. Mm-hmm. Um, literally, all you have to do is change the namespace from Microsoft.ServiceFabric.Actors to Dapper.Actors, um, and then your code remains identical. In fact, we basically migrated the code over. Okay. So if you're if you're familiar with that today, now you can take any code that you've been running with. Service Fabric Reliable Actors, and you can run that on Kubernetes, or you'll also be able to run that on Service Fabric again eventually, but of course you've got the same thing there, but you can run it on other platforms. Okay, super cool. Yeah, so that's uh, that's that's good, and we're going to do the similar thing for Active Frameworks uh, in the other SDKs um, as we look and build out the roadmap for Dapper over the next uh, yeah, six months. The last question that I had <clears throat> uh, was something that I noticed on the day that the announcement was 
released for Dapper, there was a lot of confusion because there already is an existing open source.net project called Dapper, but fully spelled out D-A-P-P-E-R. I was wondering if you had any comments on that, because even if you go to D-A-P-R.io, it asks you, did you mean this other Dapper? Yes, we, we did get uh, some feedback that, uh, you know, that's why I started off with saying that we actually, the name of this is actually Distributed Application Runtime. Um, you know, that's just full name. That was quite hard to say. Uh, we decided to, you know, bring it down to an, an, an acronym, which we call DAPA. And yes, we admit that there was some uh, confusion around all of that. But we, we, we reached out to the DAPA.net guys. Uh, we had a good conversation with them. Uh, we made sure that they were en- engaged with what we had done. And, you know, we fully admit that at first there was a bit of confusion. There's some things in the community saying that there's a bit of overlap in terms of at least how you say the name, not in how you spell it or anything to do with the technologies. In fact, the technologies are very, very different mm-hmm. and they live in very different worlds. Um, but that's why we did actually go on to Dapper, D-A-P-R.io and put that little button at the top there saying, you know, please reach out and go to dapper.net if that's what you're looking for <laughs> for the object relational mapping technology um so yes um we thank the dapper.net guys for being uh, considerate to us and you know everything's worked out now uh, in a in a in an amicable way okay cool <laughs> um okay so should i get started writing in dapper today and then like am i is this a good path to be on um you know because it says like don't you know it says it's not released yet obviously it's out <laughs> yeah, yeah. there so, so it's only been out two weeks um we've had a lot of excitement in the repo yeah uh, and you know we've had a lot of github stars if that's you know one way of measuring your uh, excitement and but but let's be clear you know this is an alpha uh the goal of the project really is to kind of have as much community engagement as it is for you know people from microsoft to contribute so mm-hmm. you know reach out to us on our community forums if you go to uh, github slash dapr slash dapr repo there's a community page in there we have a gitter uh, channel that we, and we have we have a gitter channel you can talk on we have we started our first community call last week um, and we're having that every two weeks you can reach out and ask questions on that but at this point in time it's an alpha um, and we're going to certainly avidly get to building a, having a g let's say a 1.0 of this in next year in 2020 that's the goal okay um but it's going to take probably you know several months to get there and what we're really looking for is building like with any project um very high class uh, sorry i should say customer workloads that are running at high scale in in, in a production Mm -hmm. environment and then we'll be confident that that's the time when we get to a 1.0 cool cool okay well i i really like it because i i like the fact that i can start small and then i can you know sort of move up and up and up to uh you know a sophisticated application. So that's why I'm excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's exactly, you know, you've nailed it on its head. It's, mm-hmm. it's all about that. It's like, pick the thing that you care about that solves the problem you want. Um, you don't have to use all of it. You can just, just use it for, you know, being triggered off uh, an event that happens in a Kafka queue. And that's, if mm-hmm. that's all you want to use it for. Great. That's all you have to use it for. Yeah. I honestly uh, think that's why node is so popular because they're just like, here's a web server and three lines of code. And, you know, it's like, well, that's great. I mean, it doesn't solve all my problems, but look, I already got started. So I may as well just keep going. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and that's what we're trying to encourage is like, okay, you know, you're, you're figuring out how you should write some of this code. And now we just want to drop a little bit of functionality next to you yep. and you can use it and off you go. Cool. Cool. So. 
Okay, very cool. Um, so let's see. We're gonna have links to everything you talked about in the show notes. Um, but where yes. can people find you, Mark? If people want to reach out to me, uh, my email is uh, mfussell at m f u s s e l l at microsoft.com. Mm-hmm. Feel free to drop me an email anytime. Um, if you want to talk about Dapper specifically, I would encourage you to go to the Gitter channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, that will be posted hopefully after this. And if you go to our GitHub page and find it there. I'm actively on that as well as the best place to reach out. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have uh, a mailing list as well. If you want to post mail messages onto the, the, the Dapper um, mailing list, just to ask questions there as well. So okay. feel to use any one of those channels. Um, I prefer to use the open uh, community ones just because other people get to answer the questions. Yep. Um, that's the best way. Okay. Uh, but if you do want to reach me, that's fine. You can do that directly. Very cool. And Carl, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Carl Schweitzer. You can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash techie. So Mark, thank you so much for coming back on here and talking about the latest and greatest cool thing. Cause you seem to, you seem to be involved in a lot of these. So thank you so much. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for having me. And you know, I'm super excited that hopefully we'll see, you know, the community take off here.